Hello and welcome to Five Better Podcast. I'm Jim. I'm Guy. And this is a show where we take a classic song and try to find five songs that are better than it using a specific theme. We try and do this using extensive musical knowledge that we've both gained over the years, or we might just talk a load of rubbish and laugh a lot. Both of these approaches have their merits, um, and uh, we don't know which one it's going to be. So, Guy, tell us. What's today's song, and uh, and then follow that up with what's the theme? Well, in this episode, Jim, we are looking. I thought we mentioned this last episode, uh, listeners. We talked about at the end of the last episode. Uh, the well, Daft Punk has split up, uh, retired, whatever you want to call it, and uh, we did promise that we'd look into this. Three months later, we're still <laughs> we have now got to this episode, so we are looking at. Uh, the Daft Punk track, and I'm going to hear it right now. It is One More Time. Good song. I wouldn't say it's Very good song. Good song. I'd, say, I'd say it's amazing. It's a brilliant song. It's a blistering song. It's, uh, yeah, it's... Do you know what? It's a sort of song that you can listen to before you go out to get you in the mood. It can come on early in the evening to really pick the kick things off. It can come on in the middle of the evening and everyone kind of is up for it and into it. It can come up for you, it come at the end of the evening and uh, everyone goes bonkers and crazy. And then you can go home and listen to it on a great on, on a CD when you get home from a night out and play it about four or five times. It's still brilliant. It, it's it, honestly, a, it's, yeah. I, I, I agree with all all of those things you've said. It's any time of the day this this song comes on. It's 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 amazing. I mean, twenty one years old. It featured on their second Discovery album, uh, one of their sort of main sort of songs. I know what you mean it doesn't because it, obviously you, you associate Daft Punk with kind of like electronic EDM, electronic dance music. They're, it's always in a club you'd hear it. But actually, I, I I could happily listen to their albums at home, in the car when I'm running, when I'm walking somewhere. If I'm Maybe not trying to get to sleep, but you know, pretty much every any area of life, I, I could easily listen to Daft Punk, and this is this track. I think was one of their best tracks. Yeah, I think this is arguably their best. I think you might you you might be able to if you're a real kind of muso, or you know, you really kind of interpret things or things like that or really get into the depth of it you might be able to argue for this different songs yeah but i think when it comes down to it you slap this song on nobody's disappointed no no i mean it's got, and it's got that amazing opening sort of just um which is obviously a, it's a sample of a, a 79 yeah. disco song um and that's great what they all sample things daft pine they're amazing yeah. finding just finding the right kind of hook of something and just kind of in blending it in with their kind of music and I think this track they kind of played around with the opening trumpets of this yeah they, of this, uh, disco I sent you that link to, we should attach we should attach the link that I sent you mm, to yeah, the yeah. um thing because someone did it on on TikTok and basically they took they took three parts of an intro and switched yeah. them around didn't they and yeah. it shows you how it did it it's really interesting if you listen to the youtube videos uh documentary style about random access materials um nile rogers is talking about forget lucky it sounds like it's sampled from something but what they actually did was they got nile rogers to play yeah and then they sampled his original playing right 
and put that so they created their own music to sample to do the, the, the kind of like they over i mean that's slightly overegging the pudding but the the results are fantastic but yeah i mean this song it, it's got everything i mean great vocals a good use of sort of like auto-tune sort of vocoder-esque of um Romantony guy, and it's just a, it's a it's a brilliant brilliant brilliant. I mean, I love the lyric as well. I mean, it's just a great lyric, isn't it? Yeah, I think all of it is uh, like yeah. Just I love the bit in the middle where it goes. You don't stop. You got, you got the lyrics of um, Muse has got me feeling so free. Celebrate and mm. dance so free. One more time. I mean, it's just. It's joyous, isn't it? I mean, that, that period yeah. of that period of Daft Punk was. I mean, this album, Discovery, is. I know. I say 1991 was the year God gave music yeah. <laughs> to, to the world. Uh, I think 2001, this album is is pretty much near, nearly God perfect. I mean, you got Digital Love on there, br- brilliant songs. Digital Love, um, Aerodynamic, I think it's on there as well. Just some really, really cool, funky, yeah, amazing beats. Stuff like. Um Stronger, harder, faster on there. Yeah, harder, better, stronger. No, that's on there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Okay, West Kanye West sampled and uh, murdered it. I remember playing the Daft. I remember (laughs) playing the Daft Punk covers. Oh, they've they've taken that Kanye West song. Oh no, 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 no. But yeah, no, it's it's it's, yeah, it's it's on a great album, if not one of the greatest albums the last sort of twenty odd years. Certainly, it's it's also the lead song on the album. Is it leads? It kicks off the album and it just. When you start an album with a song like this, you're not you're not messing. You you're not. Um... I think it also finishes with uh, the same guy singing that too long song, which which is a gra- another great end to the album when it all kicks off at the end. I mean, that's what they did so well, wasn't it, Daft Punk? They just they knew how to play sort of music for the crowd, and they knew exactly at what point to kind of hit just that sort of sweet spot or that coming up bit or that just sort of like breakdown. Or I mean, the album itself is like that as well. And by the time they get to this album, like you're saying with the sampling, they they're really um they've really honed their craft, they really know what they're doing. They're not just like homework is very much homework feels like what it's called. It feels like two guys playing around in their bedroom making making tracks and, and having fun. Now it sounds like they've gone into a studio and they've really kind of kind of taken off with it. And I think it you kind of, I, I always think one of the, one of the better, probably half the best nights I ever had out was when me and you went to Cream and watched Thomas Ben go to our DJ um, uh, in our third year of uni. And that just, the songs that he was playing um, were, you can hear kind of where, because he, he wasn't just doing the traditional DJ playing club music. He was kind of taking that fat boy slim style to the nth degree and doing it to a much more soulful and disco kind of uh kind of fat boy slim tended to go down the rock road didn't he when when he was doing that big beat sort of stuff which was great but then you had that kind of disco and soul um very french really from, uh, <laughs> yeah. from ben Gota. and that and that really that sang out with what he was djing and that that was after the homework album so that was kind of that it felt like you could almost 
you could almost hear that DJ set in what he was playing. Yeah, and also in what he, discovery became. He came out of uh, and from, yeah, after after home was the Stardust, wasn't it? Kind of incarnation of Thomas Bangalter's um, music sounds better with you, which was again, I could put that up there with the, in this album. It wouldn't be out of place. Yeah, it's a it's a cracking tune. Nineteen ninety eight, I think it was that tune. Um, that's that's a brilliant stepping stone to this album from half part from homework. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It is, isn't it? Kind yeah. of, it's that homework is that kind of street scratching, yeah. um, New York, uh, uh, you know, the, the kind of Africa Bambata sort of stuff yeah. and the, those kind of, it's like modern 1980s rap music. Yeah, it felt felt quite Beastie Boys-esque in its kind yeah. of um, its attitude. Yeah. And then when you get on to, to this, it's like kind of, it, it, the, the stepping stone is that kind of music sounds better with you is this kind of fun disco thing. And then it goes on to discovery. I wonder if it's to do with the fact like kind of all, all big DJs at that point around 2000 got really big, like sort of Roger Sanchez and, uh, and sort of that ilk, that kind of like real kind of like, it was just sort of show, almost like showbiz, but not crap show, show busy, but quite showy, wasn't it? Um, it was the uh, it was the time of the name DJ, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, and I think this probably. Um, I mean, they wrote basically top forty hits, didn't they? Uh, so what's the what's the theme then? What's the theme? So I mean, I mean, one more time, I guess it means someone saying let's sort of do it again, let's repeat it again, let's let's. I mean, it could be let's live that moment again, but it's essentially, yeah. songs about repetition or re- the idea of repeating something. How, how, yeah. So how, how are you feeling? So okay. obviously this is a, we both love this song, so we're going to find songs probably quite difficult to stand up to it. Um, yeah, a, I kind of ended up finding songs that I liked uh, in lots of different. I, I actually went all over really. I got a bit of soul roots. I've got I've got some really really good songs in here, songs that I absolutely love, but they're just they're just I just don't see them standing a chance. And if I don't see them standing a chance, I don't know what you're going to think of it. No, I don't. I'm not overly sure. But anyway, we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll give it a best shot. Booze talk, booze talk. What you drinking tonight? Well, should I tell you what I'm drinking tonight, Jim? I am drinking because I've kind of gone down your route of the low alcohol yeah. drinking. Yeah. Yes. Good uh, Mainly, I'm training for a marathon, so I need to be behave behave myself. So I'm uh, I'm hitting the the low alcohol. So I'm hitting today, listeners, the Beaver Town Laser Crush Alcohol Free IPA, and actually, it's all right. Do you know what? It's all right. It's, it's, this might go up to my sort of top three or four of uh, low alcohol beers that actually I can drink and don't feel like I'm gonna be sick after about the first three or four yeah. sips. It's all right. It's nice. I think there's so many out there now that are, are actually doing it uh, that that taste like something you want to drink. Yeah, Beaver Town are very good at sort of doing kind of um, quite sort of fruity based IPAs, yeah. um, sort of blood orange type of things. But this is this is really good. Zero point three percent, and yeah, I'd say I'd say it's pretty it's pretty decent. It's pretty decent. Okay. I, I was having okay. the Nanny State Brewdogs for a while. They're they're quite nice, but um, yeah, I like the Nanny State Brewdog. But they'd sold out of them today, so I thought I'd get, yeah. get some of these. Where's that from? Where'd you get that from? Uh, Sainsbury's. Okay. Yeah, okay. Big, big, Sainsbury's, big Sainsbury's. Yeah, there you go. How are you getting on, Jim? Well, I am the dullest man in history. <laughs> and people listening to this podcast may say that's no shock. But not only am I still on the no alcohol, uh, 
which is quite good. Um, I've kind of got, I've kind of picked up this really strange relationship with alcohol. I mean, you know, we went and watched the mm. England Denmark game, yeah. and uh, I drank the alcohol free beer there that night, and uh, I felt right actually. I felt I didn't mind. I didn't mind being out. Mm. Um, I kind of remember it made me remember why I didn't like England that much uh, <laughs> when we when we were there, but um, but they won, and that was that was all right. But um, so yeah, so not only the non-alcohol, which I'm doing really well with, I think I think I've only had ten pints all year. Yeah. So I've had ten alcoholic drinks since the first since the thirty first of December. That's pretty good. Which that that's not bad. And and that's been in three on three split over three different occasions. Mm. So anyway, boring. I'm just trying to make it sound vaguely interesting. So <laughs> I have been drinking sparkling water. Um, which is quite exciting. I could have had East London tap, um, but it's Sir Pellegrino. I think it's something we've both been drinking. It's it's nice actually. Sainsbury's does a good good one with that. The other one that I've been drinking a lot of again is Highland Spring because they do that in a smaller bottle. Um, but honestly, I am the most boring man in the world. Um, <laughs> Let's go to our first song. So you're all, you're rolling for me, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna roll for you. You've got a number four. Four, right. Okay. Now, we're talking about classic songs, of which, obviously, One More Time, I think, is. I think we can all agree it is. Um, this is the only song I've got, really, that I think m- might stand a good chance, possibly, maybe. Um, and it's the ma- the amazing, iconic, huge, in every sense, Dolly Parton <laughs> and <laughs> 9 to 5. Working nine to five, what a way to make a living, barely getting by. It's all taking and no giving, they just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to Well, nine to five, there you go. It's a classic song. Can't deny that it's a, t- it's a toe tapper. I love, it. I love a, a song that starts with some typewriting sounds, always good. Yeah, uh, it's got the kind of clock thing as well with it, hasn't it? The yeah. Clock ticking, the typewriting there. And it's got, I suppose, you know, the idea of it's, it's repeating in the day, nine to five is sort of this synonymous with working life. And uh, um, and, and this song features from that's the, sort of the, the very same film, nine to five. So I really, I really like this song. I think it's a great chorus. I really like the lyrics. I, like, so I, like, I don't think there's any lyric I've heard that's used tumble out of bed before. So I, think I, really, I really like sort of the phrasing of it. It sounds really... Just a, it's a really kind of well sort of just a detailed song about someone's life and um about the boss and stuff and i i, I like the kind of imagery of it all um, yeah i really like the line pour myself a cup of ambition I think yeah and it's great and obviously you know it's i think i mean from that they're now the nine to five musicals in the west end isn't it so it's still it's still quite a current song and she performs it obviously at all her song or gigs she does dolly parton and i think she did a really good version of it on glastonbury um, when she had had that legend slot a few years back, but um, it, it's it's a great, it's a really good song. I mean, and I think for her, if you think about Jolene, I prefer, I much prefer this sort of Jolene in terms of her other stuff that she's done. Um, and even I will always love you. I think this is a better song for me personally. Well, I will always love you was done better by Whitney Houston, and the, the definitive version is Rick Waller. Well, of course, Rick Waller's original <laughs> version. Rick Waller's original <laughs> version. <laughs> um, 
I guess my, my argument, I suppose, for this is um, we're putting it against a really, really great song. And it's a different genre of song. So, um, and if, well, we, if we're to judge this about in like in 50 years' time, will people still be playing one more time over nine to five? When this has obviously been, you know, 20 years ahead of it. So, technically, they are still playing this 41 years later. Um, I, I, I like what you're saying there about the will it stand up 50 years time that sort of thing or will one more time stand up 50 years time because this clearly will I mean people will be listening to this until many of us are, are well beyond the grave but one of the things I think with one more time is it's <laughs> it's it's cleverly got one of those lyrics a bit like uh the final countdown uh party like it's 1999 you know those songs you uh, the final countdown as soon as something's finishing or as soon as something's about to start you play the final countdown by europe i mean they they, they picked up a belter with the lyrics in that one that they, they'll live off that forever you know small small countries could live off that song um, and the same with Prince's 1999. And I think the lyric one more time, as well as the quality of the music, will mean that it will kind of consistently be used throughout the... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of song. I mean, I know we're sort of going back into Daft Punk territory now, but it, I think that song gets used a lot for like, BBC use it for things, don't they? Yeah. Uh, well, certainly the, 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 the instrumental track of the song they use. And in fact, I think probably people use Dolly Parton's 9 to 5 sometimes. I can, that's often used for various things, isn't it? Particularly, yeah. I've, I've heard it being used in shows before where they want to sort of show, you know, someone working in life or just that opening intro of that, um, of the song. It's a, it's a good song. It's a, it's, a, it's a good song. It's a fun song. It's, this song, I think... Um, Funnily enough, I was looking at this album when I was thinking of uh, this. I looked at the um, Too Many DJs, Radio Soul Wax, uh, where this, where 9 to 5 kind of appears in the middle, doesn't it? They do that 10cc Destiny's Child sound clash. And then... Yeah, doesn't um, this come with... Isn't this with, with Roik's, Roiksop? Uh, yeah, this with, just yeah. comes in and then Roiksop yeah. comes, in, like, comes in off the back of it. Um and it was great. It was great. It was like really good. You get like the first bit in the chorus, and then Roiksop comes in. But I always felt with that, that was it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to listen to it anymore. Um, it's it's nice, and it comes in. It's good. It's a good song. If it comes on the radio, I'm happy with it. And, and I'll sing along. I nod my head in the car, and I'll enjoy it. But it's not a song that I'm going to go into Spotify, Amazon and put on unless there's an occasion where I need something kitsch or twee or, you know, the, one more time is a song that, like you said, I can listen to it running, I can listen to it uh, in the gym. I have it on my playlist, get riding my bike into work in the mornings. You know, it's it's an, it's an everywhere song and it doesn't have that. Yeah, no, no I, think, yeah, I, think, I think you're right. I think, um, well, I can obviously see where you're going with this, but... Um... Even with a cup of ambition, I don't think it's enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's even more than a cup of ambition to uh, a vat of ambition. <laughs> anyway, it's a no. But <laughs> yeah, well, I, fi- I figured it was a no. Um, I but... just thought we'd promote the discussion a bit. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's no, a exactly. really good song. It's, it's worth a discuss. And 
you know, but I do, for, for me, it's uh, it's not better. No, and no, that's fair enough. Okay, I'm rolling for you. Number one. Number one. Okay, this is a good one. Uh, <clears throat> I. This is uh, these guys are probably contemporary of Daft Punk, um, so so fairly modern, twenty years ago, but for, you know fairly very similar sort of time. Uh, it's um, more Chiba, and it's off the Big Calm album, and it's one of the great album tracks. It's one of my favourite album tracks of all time, over and over. Okay, good. Right. Okay, there we go. Over and over. Uh, but I love Mortiba's Big Calm. I used to listen to it walking to work every day. Um, I think it's a, it's a brilliant album. Uh, I love the fact that they're two um, kind of slightly overweight balding men, and uh, she's kind of a dippy hippie singer um, who has a dippy voice as well. She has such a richness and, and uh, creaminess to her voice. Um, so uh yeah i it's it is a true album track for me as well because it's kind of uh it's late on in the album isn't it and it's only two minutes 20 seconds which i love as well because every time i listen to it, it always makes me want to yeah i always want to hear more um it is that especially what you know there's loads of other stuff on there it's like kind of six minutes five minutes four and a half minutes and then you've got this one really sweet kind of sadness to it and then it just uh, it, it comes in for two minutes 20 and it finishes you're like what? I, want I, want I want more i want more excellent voice um i thought they were uh they just made really good music really complimented her voice and uh ultimate chill out kind of music and they were very much contemporaries weren't they for uh, uh, they exactly well i think 97 was it the album was released um, 98 98 sorry but yeah this album i mean i definitely this was one of the first CDs I got of that year uh, and uh, it, was, it was amazing I mean the opening track the sea is it's wicked it's, it's great tune um, and they were, yeah they, they were kind of up there with kind of Zero Seven and that kind of and, and Air obviously the French band Air yeah yeah they, they, them and Air kind of preceded Zero Seven didn't they right, Zero, yeah, seven well, Zero, seven, the Zero Seven felt very much like the, the <coughs> British version of Air didn't they yeah they um, kind of came in in the millennium yeah that's right uh, but, and uh, but yeah, and also part of the process is a brilliant, uh, brilliant song on on that album. Um, in fact, all of the songs are good on that album. It's a great album. It's, it's a great, and honestly, I I'd, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about them. Um, well, recently, but I certainly she just mentioned it. Then I've completely forgotten about them for a while. But yeah, I, I've rediscovered that album about a year ago. I think during first lockdown, I was like, oh my god, because I really like the the, the CD cover of it. I was like, oh, this is a really nice, it's nice, it's nice album work, isesn't it? Yeah, it's got the it's kind of a. 70s decked out mm. room with a it, it's basically a girl chilling out isn't it listening yeah. to um listening but, to but they, they, uh, they were great because they, they they could have been i don't know they, they they were big but i suppose they kind of went down a bit like lamb the band lamb we used to quite like um they kind of had a few couple of good albums and they kind of just disappeared for a while yeah i also think that they they didn't fit the um, aesthetic mm. for pop stars, and that didn't help them. She did, but the two guys in the band, the two guys no. that made the music, 
it didn't. Um, and I don't think that did them any any favours, um, which is a shame, really, because I think they're better than a lot of the trash that was uh, that was around at the turn of the century. I think God, that also, sounds weird saying and, that. <laughs> yeah, like last century. But I think I think also that that type of band. I suppose Air and maybe you know we're talking about Zero Seven a bit later. They were never going to sort of sustain it because they were kind of very much of a of a chill out kind of album. You put it on after a night out, and those kind of and they still happen that kind of night out and that kind of that after night out still happens. But I don't think maybe those bands are necessarily the people you'd listen to now, twenty years later. No, and it's funny as well because like that, if you think back, maybe ten years prior maybe not even 10 years prior, five, six years prior, when um, M People won the Mercury Music Prize. Uh, and that was all about, that That was your classic dinner party album, wasn't it? You know, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're having your dinner party, your friend, hey, bottle of wine, I'll stick M People on, shall I? We'll all have, a, it'll just play in the background. And it was that kind of music. And this is all, would almost fit that ideal and be better. Um, and then it kind of it kind of missed out on that because it moved on and became chill out music, didn't it? It's I tell you who it's very much like as well is what everything but the girl became. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I can see that. And that kind of because the 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 first the initial stuff with everything but the girl was very guitar based, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and her kind of voice. But that I've been listening to that um, missing and the. Um, mm. uh, the other that well, I can't remember what the album's called, but like uh, with like glitter ball and stuff like that. Yeah. And that was I love. I used to love that. I used to love coming home from a night out and putting that on. Um, but yeah, that's uh, and I think that's very much a brilliant name as well. Big calm. Yeah, yeah, good album. I, mean, I like. I like. Rome wasn't built in the day. Was their next? Yeah, big, yeah, big, that was the big track, wasn't it? They had about. Yeah, it, that was off their. Second Is that album. the album with the same name or no? It was called Freedom's Fragment of Freedom, something. Fragments of Freedom, and that was it. That was a good album. It wasn't as good as Big Calm, though. There was a no. good song. Rome wasn't built in a day. So when you put on like an the Air album or, or you know more Chiba, you'd instantly create like an, a vibe, wouldn't you? An environment. It was kind of really. It felt really kind of just felt great and nice and comfort and it was a. Yeah, like you say, it's the idea of that idea of the DM people kind of dinner party. It was that kind of like you could, it's an instant mood was created. I think we, the only thing I think with there was they had a couple of tracks that were really you could dance to as well a lot more easily, like Kelly Watch the Stars or I even still se- love even Sexy Sex- Boys. Sexy Boys are great. Sexy Boys, brilliant. <laughs> and what, what, all I need is one of my favourite songs. That's yeah. in my morning pod, uh, morning ride. Yeah. Great job. Uh, um, playlist, brilliant tune. Okay, more Chiba, over and over. Good, actually, good tune. Didn't, didn't actually think of that at all. That wasn't even on my radar. Um, it's, just, it's just not as good though, is it? It's just it's not, it's not, it's just not as good. <laughs> and, I, and I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm happy with that. Just, not, I'm just glad I got to talk about over and over by more Chiba. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's fair enough. That's what I'm using that. What I'm using this for is being able to talk about songs that I would normally not net, not get to talk about. Okay, right. Well, okay. Huh? Uh, it's song three. You ready? You're rolling for me. Yeah, rolling, rolling, rolling. Okay, you have got a number one. 
Actually, uh, speaking of your Mercury Music Prize of the M people, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was 1993, was it? Something like uh, that. It was quite, it, yeah. This is from a fellow uh, Mercury Music Prize winner. Oh. D- Damon Goff, but he's also known as his stage name, which is Badly Drawn Boy. And this is Say It Again. Yeah, there we go. That is the uh, Badly Drawn Boy, Say It Again, from the album The Hour of the Bewilder Beast, which was released in uh, 2000. Uh, God, everything sounds so old now, 21 years ago. 2000. Yeah, I actually thought um, that was older, but 2000 is, yeah, that makes you know, sense. I, I, for me, it felt like it was 1997. He first came into my sort of consciousness when he had a video, which was his first track for, uh, and it's one of those like, uh, you know, new artists coming out, and he hadn't even released it then, and he had, had a track called um, Once Around the Block, which is really good, kind of almost, I sort of felt quite 70s, really good guitar hook, um, had a really great video of him in a car, sort of scoping out somewhere in Manchester. Quite a, quite a funny little video. But um, So I was aware of him from that, and then this album came out. And it's what I liked about the album, before I talk about the song, um, is it was all sort of pretty much him doing it all, and he was playing, he's a multi-instrumentalist, so he played the bass, drums, guitar, sort of, you know, write the theme tune, sing the theme tune type of, uh, approach to it. He, he was like an early Ed Sheeran, wasn't he? Yeah, but also he, but he had that kind of... Um, very DIY attitude of like I've got an I've got a songs that I want to play. I don't think he had a record deal, so he did it all himself in his in his sort of four track in his bedroom, which I thought was you know, and he turned it into a, a pretty much a, a multi million pound sort of album. So I, I sort of really admire that, and also he looked great because he just had a beanie hat on and looked like completely looked like a, a busker. This song say, say it again, obviously is um, the idea of repetitions within the title. Um, I think when we, I mentioned this to you, Jim, you, you, you kind of mentioned it sounded a little bit kind of like dour and I get what you mean by that. It is kind of, it's not hugely uplifting. Um, yeah, it's Smithian, isn't it? it yeah. You know, and I think cause you might, you might share that sort of same DNA being from Manchester maybe. Um, and it's got about talk about being single and longing, there's trouble ahead and it's sort of, um, so, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of fairly gloomy in its outlook. Um, it's that, it's, it, in the same way that Smith does, it appeals to teenage boys. It's the kind of lyric that appeals to teenage boys. The single, there might be bad times ahead. Mm. You know, it's not, there's not a great outlook. <laughs> yeah, welcome to life, hello. Yeah, maybe the first line was it, you squeeze the life right out of me. I mean, it's pretty... Uh... <laughs> it's pretty setting his stall out quite early there, isn't he? He's also got really good, really good use of yeah, 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 in the song. And my my huge plus for me is it starts on a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Always good. Can't argue with that. I, lo- I love accounting with the yeah, yeah, yeahs. Is it as good as Malcolm and Wise's use of yeah, yeah, yeah in the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the yeah. Malcolm and Wise Christmas special? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Except with Tom Jones, isn't yeah, it? I think it is, yeah, yeah. Does it? <laughs> uh, a bit different, I'd say. Not quite more wise, but a little bit different. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's probably not my favourite song on the album. But then that's okay because that's, that's not mm. the point of the point of the, uh, of the podcast. But I, I, I really, I thought he was, I thought he was great. I thought it was a breath of fresh air. In fact, when he came around and he won yeah, it, definitely worth a chat. I mean, I, one of my favourite. Um, is it? Uh, is it a song title from the album or is it a lyric? But I love pissing in the wind. I think that's a. A beautiful metaphor, yeah, um, for for how life feels sometimes. 
People say life gives you lemons, and sometimes people say you're just, you're just pissing in the just wind. Pissing in the wind. Yeah, I just think I just think that's to. I don't know. I know it's not. It's a lovely image without being lovely. If that makes yeah. sense. It's. Uh, I just you can really visualize it. And you can really visualize the, the you know the, uh, feeling. And the warm a, trickles. Yeah, the, that warm urine smell on your yeah. on your chin is lovely. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's poetry. Um, yeah. But what I like about actually what I like about him as, a, as a, an artist that I don't think I'm glad he got discovered and I'm glad he made mm. the album because I think without that and without him doing it his own way and not having to sort of necessarily do it the the traditional route of getting signed yeah. and being discovered that way and being moulded and working with songwriters. He, like I said, he did it all himself. Uh, and, and also he famously got given a cheque for like 45 grand for the Mercury Music Prize. I think he lost it within about three seconds. Um, so that's quite a great way of <laughs> a great way of doing it. But without that, we wouldn't have had him making what I think is a really good jump into sort of film music and writing the About a Boy soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's which is uh, which really, is brilliant. It's a concept really album, good. isn't it? It's really yeah. good. It's uh, it works very well. And I think he kind of sort of disappeared after that, really, didn't he? I mean, he's, you don't hear much of him nowadays. He's no, I think he doesn't do a huge. I think he still gigs occasionally. I think he might be doing the festival circuit again. But, yeah. Um, but uh, but no, I thought I, mean, I thought about a boy soundtrack. I thought the I thought that was a perfect sort of marriage of good film. With great cast and with Hugh Grant doing some really good acting and not being the sort of silly idiot, and ha- having a great sort of um, sort of soundtrack, which really worked, but also was on its own right a really good album you could listen to. It's, it's that kind of finding the right people for the right yeah. job, isn't it? It's you yeah. know Hugh Grant's perfect in it. The kids, uh, uh, Nicholas Holt yeah. is brilliant in it. Tony Collette is really good in it as well. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, the, the person doing the album really fits for the feel of the film, and the, mm. um, it ju- it just all kind of falls together nicely, doesn't it? And it, he feels very Nick Hornby in his kind of mm. DNA as well. In that, definitely, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I think I think he's, um, yeah, I think he's, I think he's really good and really interesting. Again, but a person again, I'd forgot like more cheaper actually. I'd kind of forgotten about. Um, was was around and I thought it's really nice going back into the uh, the Bewilderables and just going oh yeah really good it's a great album I, mean, I do really remember this quite vividly listen to it in my bedroom on CD well where, where are we with that then so say it again badly drawn boy well I think you know we've we've discussed it we like him we like the song we like the album we like his other album but it's not as good as Duff <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good as it's it not as, not as good. We had a nice little chat, didn't we there, Jim? We had a nice little chat That was a nice little chat. You know, I think that's all I'm expecting from this podcast. (laughs) Okay, 3-0. Okay, I'm going to roll for you, Jim, because I'm going to now speak in my French voice. Oui. Très bien. Okay, okay. Oui, 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 oui. Okay, you've got a number two. Number two. Okay, wow. One and two. All right. This one, this is the only one that I think might stand a chance on everything I've got. Um, this is uh, an amazing band, an amazing pioneering band. Um, Road to Nowhere, Talking Heads. Yeah. 
I love a march, me. <laughs> I love a march in a song, and it, it is. This is, it's called Road to Nowhere. It's done as a march, so it's got that kind of... I think I saw a brilliant interview with him where he said the reason he had the um, choir singing at the beginning and at the end is because if he didn't, the whole song would have just been that ding, 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 ding. And the whole thing, he, said, he thought, oh, I better put something in that makes it a little bit interesting. So he added the choir at the beginning and the end. Um, again, sucker for a gospel choir, me as well. You know, really, really good. Um, it's, I like the bleakness of it. I like the, um, the I think the lyric is really good. Uh, it's, you know, musically, it's, it's excellent, as you would expect from the Talking Heads. Um, and it just kind of drives all the way through and, and goes to the end. There's not, not much more to say about it there. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was having a conversation with someone at work about them because she didn't know anything about them. I was like, right, have you not heard that? No, okay, right, have you not heard this one? Oh, my God, right. So I, and I think I showed the video to Road to Nowhere. Um, but I, I mean, I, you know, I was saying I had David Byrne is, 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 is <laughs> a, a, he's mad. Um but B, he's a proper sort of artist mad, kind of, he's, he's sort of Andy Warhol, kind of 1980s New York, kind of bonkaroonie McGraw. Oh, yeah, he's an um, artist that became a musician, yeah. Yeah, and I think also the fact that he did that, um, the, the Lazy song that became famous about 10, 10 years ago, um, is it Single and Lazy? Simple and Lazy? Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, was it by Dry as a Bone? But what but I think what I like about this song, by the way, Jim, I think, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. The gospel choir adds real something to the beginning and end, doesn't it? Um, it gives it an extra weight, but it just doesn't. But what what's great? It doesn't actually seem out of place on the song, even though it goes into dim dugga dim dugga dim, and then some, I think maybe an accordion comes in. So you got you got a, yeah, a gospel choir with a sort of a marching band with an accordion, and then some bloke looking in the video a bit like Pee Wee Herman. Um, on some sort of conveyor belt. One of the things that one of the things I think is genius about this song musically, right? And this is why I think this is a, this is something that is, if not decided as better, is certainly up there on a par with with Daft Punk. Is that the way the music sounds? It sounds like that MC Escher, you know, the MC the MC Escher downhill where you're actually walking in a circle you know those okay, yeah, yeah. drawings where he rubs out the wrong bits and it yeah get, and it and it yeah, the yeah, water yeah, runs around yeah. the circle rather running downhill i think musically it sounds like that and i think that is genius with in terms of the lyric as well that kind of road to nowhere because it's very much like we're walking around in this circle to nowhere we're not actually achieving anything we're just going um so i think that's very clever and because it's David Byrne, I feel like he meant to do that as well. I feel like that's part of what he was trying to achieve in the song, which also makes me really like it. Um, I think I think the song I, I think I prefer, and again, I, I'm not a huge up to date with what they what they are in terms of you know all their albums, but I mean I know obviously Once in a Lifetime is a brilliant song, um, and yeah, I mean this is this is again. It's a quite, it's a really cool song. It's it's a bit odd. It kind of reminds me a bit more, more of um, sort of they might be giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Era. Yeah, sort of. It kind of has that kind of oddness about it, and but, but quite clever 
Um, and yeah, things put together, it shouldn't work like the, the choir, but it does. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's a different. It's a different kind of song. It's it's probably one of the best ones on the four that we've had. So all the the three we've had so far. Just looking here, this was included among Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. That's not a bad oh, shout yeah. for that. That's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bad shout. <laughs> I do, do you know what though? I'm gonna make it easy. It, I, I, okay, it isn't as good because I, I <laughs> it just isn't for me. I, I love the song. You know what? One more time. Do you know what I and, think? It but it was very close. Actually, it comes back to what we said before about time, listening occasions for one more time. You know, and I know you shouldn't judge a shot, a judge a song on listening occasions, but. It, you know, if you're looking for things that are a tiebreaker, if this comes on it, you know, is this the song that you can play before you go out, when you're out, when you come home, when does it, did it, you know, does it, does it hit different points of the night or is it something that I really like riding my bike to or, um, you know, my, this, this song's very bleak on a Monday morning. In a way that I kind of quite like, though. <laughs> I yeah. quite like riding to work on a Monday morning thinking, God, I'm on the road to nowhere. <laughs> the A406 yeah, exactly. literally on the road to Okay. All right. Well, that was close. That was that good. Was good. That was good. Again, nice, nice to talk about that. That's good. Um, I was pleased with that one. That was one of, the, that was one of my good choices. I, did, I think we should, um, we should get the what is he now artistic director or uh, the musical assistant musical artistic assistant director too um i've just actually te- i've just had texted paul okay. there, and i've actually got a reply back so he's he's put i put his road to nowhere better than one more time his reply much better also a great video <laughs> there we go so well uh, things we knew things we things we knew already yeah. kind of almost but uh right before we hit the last song Jim, yes a few a few r.i.p's so dusty hill the bass player from ZZ Top. Ah, uh, yeah, died, yeah. Um, which was... Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know huge much about ZZ Top, apart from just obviously the hair and beards, but... Um, and the fact that the, but, the drummer the, didn't have a beard and was called Beard. Is that a true story? Is that an urban myth? Is that a true story or is that an urban myth? I thought it was an urban uh, myth. I thought he was... <laughs> also, Dusty Hill was a great... Is it, Dusty Hill's a great name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's loads of dust on. There's loads of dust on that here hill. But um, yeah, he he died. I tell you who died. Also, this is a while back. We haven't had an, an episode for a while. Um, Jim Stein, the songwriter for Bat Out of Hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. Yeah, that yeah, is. yeah. That was that was a while back. That's, but, um, do you know what? That's such a good album. Musically, it's good, and it's very easy to kind of sniff it sometimes. But it's. Uh, I think if Meatloaf hadn't had done anything for love but he wouldn't do that then maybe it would have been looked at slightly differently but you know that kind of killed me though and then he came back didn't he when he was in fight club and yeah. stuff like that i've just looked it up yes it was billy gibbons on guitar dusty hill and frank beard on drums <laughs> who was the only one who didn't have a beard Oh yeah, that's fair enough. The joke was on him. That's genius. The joke was on the everyone joke else. Was in there. I tell you, I tell you who did die that I looked up, and this is since the last podcast, 29th of May. BJ Thomas, raindrops keep falling on my head. Oh, that 
is a shame. He was 78. Oh, that is a, sh- uh, that is a shame. We, yeah, we mentioned that's that, a good we? song. We mentioned that. Did yeah. we mention that a couple of episodes ago? I don't think we mentioned he's dead, but we certainly talked about it. No, we meant the, you meant the song. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, we mentioned Sing in the Rain, we're... didn't we? I think we talked about that. Yeah. Okay, I'm, and uh, I'm getting my rain it was to do with... No, we did talk about um, BJ Thomas in... Because of, I want to say, Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, Burt Bacharach. Burt Bacharach. <laughs> Engelbert Bacharach. He's a mistake to make. <laughs> one living legend, icon to the world. The other one, Burt Bacharach. And, and the other one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um, is it me rolling for you? you roll for me. I'm rolling for you, rolling for you. Big six. Oh, yes, good, right. I'm glad this came up. And uh, and our musical consultant will be also glad because he gave me the suge- suggestion for it earlier. Um, icons, big hitters, big boys, the Beatles, Helter Skelter. Okay, they wanted rock and roll. They wanted to play it dirty and nasty. I think. Um, Paul McCartney kind of said of why they created Helter Skelter, the way they created it in terms of its sound. Um, I think it was in response to The Who. Uh, and so he said, no, this is, this is, we can make sound equally as sort of dirty and as horrible as that. And people say it's kind of the forefront of kind of heavy metal was this kind of track. Uh, but what what a great song. Helter Skelter. Well, first of all, what a great guitar riff. What a great bass playing. And also, for, for when you think of how, you know, this is from the White Album and that, and, and just the, the, the progression of the Beatles across, even just in a couple of years, but certainly since sort of early sort of mid-1963, 64 era when I Want to Hold Your Hand, you fast forward five years. If you think about five years of an artist, that's, that's often a couple of albums and maybe a, a slight shift in sort of musical style. But then, I mean, this they went absolutely bonkers in this song. This, this is one of the greatest, I think it's one of the greatest sort of rock songs possibly, possibly ever. Um... I think it's great vocally, great as a band, really tight. It's got some great kind of guitar playing, really good sort of guitar, sort of uh, lead guitar from George Harrison. Uh, and it's got Ringo going, putting his sort of like stick in to be the best sort of rock and roll drummer there is out there. And I think it's it's a great song. I mean, it really is such a such a good piece of music. And also, it's not one of the it's not one of their hits. You kind of or one of their songs you go, oh, I must listen to that on my first side of the Beatles album. That I'm going to listen to my first top 10 tracks. It's often not in anyone's playlist, but it's just, um, yeah, it just kind of, it really excites me when I hear it. And uh, uh, I think, obviously the Helter Skelter is the idea. You go round and round, Helter, Helter Skelter. If, 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 in case no one got that. It's not, it's not on the Love album. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it didn't get remastered by George, Ma- George Martin. Yeah, you haven't got um, um, Sing the Soleil swinging down. But I, I, I just like it. Also, I love the idea of I love the idea of a Helter Skelter. I love Helter Skelters. They're great. Very seventies Helter Skelter, aren't they? Um, you know, they're yeah, very seventies, well, eighties. Yeah. I think you still get them now, kind of on sort of vintage fairs, don't you? Yeah, but it's that real kind of it's that kind of seventies prog rock Helter Skelter, isn't it? That kind yeah. of it's that sort of ride. It's very it's a prog yeah. rock ride, and I think that kind of that is it's it's a really good song. And also, it's Paul McCartney just really—he's laying—he's laying into the song. He's, he's kind of doing uh, John Lennon in Twist and Shout, isn't he? Yeah, he's—he's um, he's really going for it. And I like what you said about Ringo there as well. I think that's—I uh, 
Ringo often gets lost in the in the bluff, doesn't he? He gets lost in the um, in the same way that Paul often does. Uh, you know that John Lennon was this wonderful progressive man, and you know George Harrison was very talented. Paul McCartney isn't dead, and uh, Ringo is. You know. To, John Lennon just said that dickish line, didn't he? Ringo's not oh, the best bit. drummer in the Beatles. Well, but then there was the, that apparently is uh, is not true. Apparently that was, that was a joke apparently made up by Jasper Carrot in in the eighties. Oh right. Which then became sort of known as sort of taken as fact that it was said by John Lennon. Okay. Um, whether whether that was true, it always it always struck me as the sort of thing John Lennon would have said as well. Cause he... Yeah, yeah, he was up for ribbing. Um, yeah, he could be a bit of a knobber sometimes. I definitely. I think he was. Um, I think he was a right prick. <laughs> John, you're a right prick. I think if you'd have met him, I, I know I would have instantly gone straight for. I'd be on Team Paul definitely because uh, Paul did all the work. Paul was the one trying to get everyone together, and you know he was kind of, kind of you know trying to get the manager sorted, he had to get his <laughs> wife's dad involved. He, he was the one kind of holding it all together while John was being all. John was being a superstar. I'm being on artistic, Paul. I'm going to go and paint (laughs) in Germany. (laughs) I'm going to go and marry Yoko and look at a spot on the ceiling. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But what also is good about this, well, not good about this song, but this song is also iconic in terms of its importance of Charles Manson and the Manson murders with him, uh, Sharon Tate murder. He was claiming this song was kind of uh, inspiring him to do it. Good, he didn't play it backwards, did he? And it said, Murder people, <laughs> put a Nazi Man. sign on your forehead. Yeah, kill everyone in the room. Um, Go to the docks and kill everybody, <laughs> said Thomas. Buy more, Be- <laughs> <laughs> buy more Beatles albums. Buy more after Beatles. You've, after, yeah. you, after you've killed everyone, buy more Beatles albums, please. Um, <laughs> For every person you kill, buy another album. <laughs> Ignore the bit about killing, just buy the album. <laughs> Don't, don't take kill them. Don't buy kill them. I mean, take them to the shop <laughs> and get them to buy an album. Don't play it backwards. You'll ruin the vibe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So obviously, the, the song's got that going. Not going for it, but that's that's an association with the song. So it's um. Also, I tell you what, Oasis did quite a good. And I don't, you know, I'm not a huge Oasis fan. They they played that live a couple of times. Actually, did a, did quite a good job with it. Um. So yeah, I. I it was, it was, uh, it was a. Uh, I don't know. I think it's up there. I mean, Beatles. I don't think we've really mentioned the Beatles much on the podcast. <laughs> no, we always try and steer a bit clear of them, don't we? It's. Uh, I think the the Beatles. I always try and trawl them out when you need a biggie, when you're kind of coming up against. Because otherwise, I mean, otherwise this podcast would be. Here's a song. Here's five Beatles songs that are better that we can crowbar into the theme, wouldn't it? I mean, that's. You know, there's when you've got a back catalogue um, as good as that. This is a really difficult one, actually, because this is such a good song. Um, And because of its significance, I think, in music, not not so much in the Manson family business, but I think, you know, when a song that's like a precursor for um the heavier sort of 
heavy metal sort of stuff uh, is in it is the Beatles showing their quality in looking at bands that were coming around being different like the who um and saying look we can do we're not just the four mop tops with our three minute um perfect pop songs uh you know and or a perfect rock and roll um in that sort of manner so i think i mean i think there's there's a lot in there and i think to have i always like I like it when bands look at someone else and go, that's really good. We will, we've got to do something. I love the inlay of pet sounds where um, uh, uh, Wilson writes about how he heard the Beatles White album and went, shit, we've got to do something on that. I think it was um, Rubber Soul, actually. Yeah. The White album came after Pet Sounds. But, um, but that's why... Um, Sorry, did I say yeah. the white album? I, yeah, I didn't yeah. know the album. I just fluffed an album yeah. out of nowhere. But yeah, um, but I think yeah. But yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, it, was, it was quite competitive, wasn't it? Yeah. I like that. And then I think, and then the Beatles came back with uh, Lady Madonna in terms of uh, California Girls, didn't they? And uh, no, not Lady Madonna. Back in the USSR. Sorry, um, you know that's a kind of uh, a response to things like California Girls, isn't it? And uh, um, that kind of Americana sort of stuff. So, and I really like it when bands do that because I think that's that's good and healthy competition, and it shows a respect for what other people are doing and sort of a, a, a like of it as well. So, um, do you know what? I thought this was going to be a whitewash, but I'm actually going to say this is a better song. Um, oh, okay. Even. Even though I don't think it's got the usage usage occasions of that's really marketing speak usage occasion of this product but everything that we said about one more time i think this i mean because uh, i did have a beatles track i had get back um right, okay. that was oh, the wow. only, that was the only one i could kind of crowbar in to the theme uh really and i I really like Get Back, and I know lots of people turn their nose up at it, and I don't. I'm not overly sure why. I think it's a. Oh yeah, I I can. I mean, I prefer this song to Get Back. Yeah, don't think me wrong. Like I do, but I couldn't. I just didn't. This one just wasn't quite on my radar in terms. Get Back does suffer. Not not suffer. It's got some. Symmetry with uh, Road to Nowhere with a little bit of um, marching music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's, but I just, I, I find, like, I've been really shot down at times for liking Get Back. I just think, well, how, how, how is it that? How do you find it that awful that you don't, you, you know, you don't, you don't want to? I don't know. But the, and yeah, this is this is a better song than that. So that so that's kind of why you know I think if you can, it's difficult. I can't think of many Beatles songs that you would put up against others that wouldn't. If you can get it in on the theme and get it in on you know they were so uh, revolutionary different. I think if you put them against, if they are the main song, you you might struggle with yeah. finding five better. And I think we mentioned that before, like sort of there's certain songs that it's going to be a struggle. We, I mean, we thought this would be a five nil, but um, I'm kind of quite glad. I'm quite glad it's not a five nil as well, actually, because then it's not a 
a complete Daft Punk loving. So there we go, four one, everyone. So we we got got back at the end. We got we didn't get back, but we got, we, we clawed something back at the end. So I, so I had those three I had already, but I also had two more which are going to very quickly mention. You had um. Mortiba's over and over. There's a hot chip had a song called Over and Over, which is, uh, which I think everyone probably would associated with repeating because that's quite an obvious one. But uh, good song, good song. That could have come up for me. And my last one, which I'm quite glad it didn't because I didn't really understand why <laughs> the theme within it. <laughs> it's um, a band called St- and again, bonkers band called Stereo Lab who were who were sort of back, big in the 90s and they were kind of uh, quite kitsch, had a Hammond organ, a French lead singer uh, and they had a song called Ping Pong, which um, apparently is about capitalism. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm reading the lyrics and, I, and I'm, I can't make head nor tail of it. Well, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're just not, you're just not uh, on vogue enough. No, you're just not just, cool enough. Just not cool just, enough. Just not clever enough, I think. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> I, just, I tried my hardest, but I couldn't work it out. But apparently, the song's about that. But it's it's a great song. I really like it. But um, yeah, that that was my sort of. Uh, okay, I mean, I, I, had, I had some I had some good ones on the on the the six. Um, obviously, get back the Beatles. Um, I had Carly Simon coming around again, uh, which is a nice song. Mm, probably not, probably not better, but a nice song. Um, I had the Propeller Heads, history repeating. Uh, again, contemporaries of Daft Punk, a really good song. Shirley Bassey as well. It was a toss-up between that and another one that they did called Echo and Bounce off the same album, which I really like. Oh, and um, <laughs> Soul Roots. I had uh, uh, Land of a Thousand Dances by Will- Wilson Pickett, and that was a bit of a crowbar one. What, what was the uh, what was the theme with it? How did that how would that have got repeating? Well, there's a thousand dances and they were repeating the different dances throughout the song. So uh, it, it was a bit of a crowbar one, but that's uh, I always like that song. That's a really good one. So I had one more I forgot to mention. I had Steely Dan's song "Do It Again," which I which I really quite like actually. Uh, it's good use of sitar as well. Um, but uh, no, there's that was that was it. Really. We had a couple from uh, Paul Lackadette, apart from Helter Skelter, which you mentioned. Uh, to me earlier, which I put in. Um, he had Dancing in the Dark and Working on the Highway by Bruce Springsteen, which was uh, which was pretty good. Yeah, I know another one by um, uh, Eddie Cochran's 20 Flight Rock. Had Return of the Master, I thought might have squeezed in there somehow. Oh, that would have been br- brilliant. Oh, that <laughs> would have been, been excellent. a good shout, wouldn't it? Return of the Mac- <laughs> Mark Morrison. Uh, and Once again. a couple that... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I... My favourite lyric in that is, yes, I do. Yes, I do, do, do. Uh, I think anyone who managed to get do, do. Don't lie it, to is me. A, is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice one, Jim. That, was, uh, that wasn't quite the whitewash we expected. Which no. was, uh, it's a pleasant spray. That was good. I thought, it, it was good. As well. I think it was good that you pulled that one out of the bag at the end. That came in late. and. Uh, well, that, that was inspired by our musical... Creative, creative genius consultant. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna love this episode. He's got early mentions. He's been mentioned a lot, and one of he's his a, songs he's a, has been used. It's yeah, it's been it's been, it's been, a, it's been a constant canal of Paul Lagerman. <laughs> <laughs> Big serious canal. That's what he's been. <laughs> maybe we should maybe we should ask him for the next lead song. We might have to ask him for the next lead song. There we go. That's the shout out to Paul if he's still listening by now. Okay, so if you want to give us some ideas for a new show, give us give us a contact on at Five Better Podcast on Twitter, 
on Instagram or you can find us on email, fivebetterpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you do listen to the podcast, give us a, a like or a, a re- recommendation sort of thing on, on iTunes and say, yeah, this is good. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to wrap up. Nice to see everyone. We'll take care and we'll, we'll see you in our next episode. See you in a bit. Yeah, bye. Five Better Podcast.